0: Peace be upon you. So as believers, we have to be the most appreciative people. And a way that we can do that is by reflecting on all these blessings that God has given us. But a lot of these blessings, they're so numerous, they're so profound, that in essence, we forget that they're almost there. They become ingrained in the fabric of our day to day. But it's only when we stop and reflect do we just realize the miraculous nature of what God has given us. Consider a simple act of ordering food online. You know, in the past, your options were limited to pizza. You'd have to get the phone book, get the phone number, dial it, and get it. And that itself is a miracle. But today, we have it so much easier. You have hundreds, if not thousands, of food choices, depending on where you live and what's within your vicinity, of individuals who are waiting to take your order. So at a moment's notice they can basically prep this for you. And they have all the ingredients and all the equipment and the trained chefs in order to be able to process your order and make your custom dish. Then as soon as they're done, drivers are ready to take this order, put inside their phone, make a satellite connection to determine the fastest route to your house. That it's not just looking at, you know, in essence where the closest location is, but it's analyzing traffic data and historical data. and real-time road conditions to determine what is the fastest way for this food to be transported from this restaurant to your house. And then by God's leave, it magically appears there and you're able to have this delicious meal. We go through millions of these motions every day And we just forget about how miraculous of an achievement this is. I mean, something as simple as turning on the tap water and having fresh water that's not going to make you sick come out the tap to be able to adjust the temperature of the water so you can have the right temperature when you go in for a shower or a bath. I mean, these are just numerous, numerous blessings that we have that, again, we almost think that these are commonplace, that this is given. But these kind of things, if you were to show these to individuals of the past, they would be completely... Uh, mesmerized by just the miraculous nature of this technology that God has utilized for us that has, again, become commonplace. In Surah 36, verse 33, it says, One sign for them is the dead land. We revive it and produce from it grains for their food. We grow in it gardens of date palms and grapes, and we cause springs to gush out therein. This is to provide them with fruits and to let them manufacture with their own hands whatever they need. Would they be thankful? By God's leave, God created this design where we can utilize God's provisions to manufacture what it is that we need in order to provide these services, these amenities, these blessings that we have access to. And all it takes on our end is to be appreciative. And God warns us that if we become unappreciative, that he can remove these provisions from us and then allow us to be able to come back into his kingdom. In Surah 16, verse 112, it says, God cites the example of a community that used to be secure and prosperous with provisions coming to it from everywhere. But then it turned unappreciative of God's blessings. Consequently, God caused them to taste the hardships of starvation and insecurity. Such is the recompense for what they did. So by God's leave, we have to always be appreciative. We always have to be in the state of awe, just absolute fascination about all these blessings that God has given us. And there's a quote, From the science fiction writer Arthur C. Clarke, which says any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. The reality is this technology that we have access to, and it goes beyond just the computers and the phones, everything. I mean, you think about an apple. An apple is a form of technology that God created, that from a dead piece of wood you put inside the ground, and miraculously it produces itself, and we can consume it on an endless cycle that we should never get to a point where we become habituated to these blessings that we have, that we should always be in a state of awe and appreciation for all the multitude of blessings that God has provided us. You know, there's the story, and I've heard so many people say this happened to them that I don't know where it originated from, but someone gets on this long distance flight and they announce, they're like, hey, for the first time, we're gonna have Wi-Fi and everyone's happy and they're high-fiving and they're cheerful, then two minutes in the flight, The Wi-Fi goes dead and everyone's angry and resentful. The thing is, two minutes ago, this was a miracle. This was an absolute blessing. But then two minutes later, it becomes an expectation that when it's taken away from them, it's as if they've been deprived. But the reality is they never deserved any of this to start. God blessed them with it. And it was a test to see whether they're going to be appreciative or unappreciative. In Surah 16, verse 83, it reads, they fully recognize God's blessings, then deny them. The majority of them are disbelievers, and as we discussed before, the word kafir, which means disbelievers, also has the meaning of someone who's unappreciative. So these individuals, they recognize God's blessings, yet they're still unappreciative. But in conjunction with this Arthur C. Clarke quote, where it says that any advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic, there's another quote that basically says any super advanced technology becomes indistinguishable from nature. That a technology becomes so advanced that we don't even realize that it's not natural. And this again goes towards all the infinite number of blessings that God has given us. Uh, Mark Weiser, who wrote a book, The Computer in the 21st Century, wrote, The most profound technologies are those that disappear. They weave themselves into the fabric of everyday life until they are indistinguishable from it. Consider the fabric for the clothes we wear. We think that these are natural, and we think that having such attire is commonplace, and we forget that the vast amount of serendipitous occurrences, research and development, and resources that went into creating these fibers that we use today to make all kinds of garments and furnishings, that these are not natural in any way, shape, or form. Virginia Postrel, in her book, The Fabric of Civilization, How Textiles Made the World, explains, and she says, We suffer from textile amnesia because we experience textile abundance. This is because that fabric is anything but natural. But these items have gotten so abundant that we oftentimes forget to remember that. So think about how we got to use the cotton today for the vast majority of our clothes and products we use. Consider that there is no such thing as natural fibers, all such things as cotton, linen, wool, silk, that are due by many, many small interventions by humans that by God's leave have given us this technology that has become so ubiquitous that we forget that it's not natural. Cotton itself doesn't naturally grow in most parts of the world except above the frost line. In this native natural state, it would never make bulbs and would just freeze. There are roughly 50 different cotton species, but only a single one which formed fibers. Not only that, but this one species just happens to contain a rich genetic code that allowed it to develop in multitude of ways to produce different fibers. This is because it has a mutation that doubled the amount of chromosomes it happens to hold. Somehow, this plant migrated and went through the necessary genetic changes to develop cotton that could occur above the frost line. This change crossover happened millions of years ago, way before human beings ever stepped foot on this planet, yet perfectly positioned for us to benefit from. Imagine if such a material was not available. How much would that have delayed human technological progression? If we were stunted because we couldn't get past this simple aspect of creating garments and clothes. In Surah 16, verse 81, it says, And God provided for you shade through things which he created. And he provided for you shelters in the mountains. And he provided for you garments that protect you from heat. And garments that protect you when you fight in wars. He thus perfects his blessings upon you that you may submit. I was recently listening to a podcast interview was someone who left wall street to become a professional knitter and apparently there's a saying within the knitting community that you never knit a sweater for someone you love and the question the interviewer was asking was why does this such a statement exist why would you not want to knit a sweater for someone you love and what the respondent said the the professional knitter said she said that look Many people disregard the amount of time and hours that's necessary to make a sweater. So let's say you want to make just the most simplistic sweater out of yarn. That process for someone who knows what they're doing could take up to 40 hours to produce. Now, let's say you want to add all kinds of stitching and styling and design. That could take months and months to produce one sweater. Now, the recipient of that sweater is not going to be able to fully grasp how much work and effort went into creating this. And because of that, most people who do knit are not going to knit someone a sweater because they know the recipient who's given that gift is not going to be able to fully grasp the amount of dedication in making such a thing. So they think rather than leading to strife, they're better off not making sweaters for people they love. And this is funny because we take this for granted that we can go and walk into a thrift store and pay literally like a dollar and be able to get a sweater. You know, you go into a a fancy boutique, uh, a Macy's, and again, you pay, let's say a hundred bucks, which in my opinion, very expensive for a sweater, but nevertheless, you contemplate that if someone wanted to make this by hand, the level of sophistication might take them months to be able to build. And this is something, again, you pay a few bucks and you're able to achieve. And keep in mind, that the person knitting the sweater doesn't have to go and grow the cotton, create the fibers, uh, twist this into a thread, that all that is readily available for them. They have the, the thread, they have the fibers, they just have to do the manual work of putting it together. But consider that before this technological achievement, individuals had to spin their own thread. For instance, a pair of jeans would take six miles of thread. And in today's machines, that can be spun in a matter of seconds. But in the past, before the industrial revolution, the best spinners in the world would have to spend an hour to spin 100 meters of thread. Therefore, it would take 13 days working eight hours a day to spin enough thread for a pair of jeans. And that doesn't even include the process to make the jeans, this is just the thread. Or even take something simpler, a bandana, a 22 inch square, That would take 24 hours to spin enough thread by the fastest spinners in the world before the industrial revolution. But having access to these textiles and fabrics is not limited to clothes. Consider a twin sheet for a bed at 200 thread count would span 29 miles of thread. Again, the fastest thread spinners before the industrial revolution would have to spend Roughly 59 days, working eight hours a day to be able to spin enough thread to create this sheet that, again, we have readily available. Today we have closets and wardrobes filled with more clothes and more bedding than we can possibly need to the point that so much of this gets dumped into secondhand stores that much of that even gets 90 plus percent of it gets shipped overseas because we've produced so much of this in abundance that we think that this is the natural state of things and we forget just how absolutely miraculous it is that we can produce such amazing amenities for such a low price. In Surah 40, verse 61, it reads, God is the one who designed the night so you can rest in it and the day light it. God bestows many blessings upon the people, but most people are not thankful. Now consider another technology that has become so abundant that we almost forget about its miraculous nature is that of writing, and more specifically, that of a simple pencil. In 1958, the writer, Leonard Reed, wrote an essay entitled, I Pencil." In this essay, he described how despite some billions of pencils being produced every year for the last hundreds of years, no one individual knows how to make a simple number two pencil from scratch. For instance, a pencil is made from cedar and it takes roughly 14 years for a tree to grow before it is cut down and processed. So if you wanted to make a pencil today from scratch, You'd have to grow the cedar tree and wait 14 years, but after the wood is ready, it has to be sawed down and consider all the saws and the power tools and the technology that goes into cutting down a tree to being able to process it into the exact shape of a number two pencil. In order for someone to be able to make a pencil, they would have to also be able to make all the tools that go into cutting that tree, transporting it over, in order so it can be processed into the next step. In Surah 27, verse 60 reads, Who is the one who created the heavens and the earth? Who is the one who sends down to you from the sky water, whereby we produce gardens full of beauty? You could not possibly manufacture its trees. Is it another God with God? Indeed, they are people who have deviated. Again, this is expecting that it's given, that God has given us the technology of a tree to be able to do these steps. Without this technology that God has provided us, we wouldn't have any pencils. But the pencil does not just consist of wood. Even the processes by which the lacquer is produced, let alone made this beautiful yellow color, involves skills of more persons than one can enumerate. So if you wanted to replicate this lacquer, you would need to figure out where are the resins that make this lacquer. What is the process to add the yellow pigmentation necessary to make this specific color of yellow? As well as how to apply such color so perfectly that it doesn't run over, that it's comfortable to hold. But the pencil is not just yellow, it also has labels. That there's a specific process for branding in order to ingrain these labels onto the pencil. That it uses a specific carbon black paint for this labeling. And someone has to go and create these tools in order to be able to achieve this precision for something, again, that we look at and we don't contemplate the mass ingenuity that went into creating this simple pencil. And we haven't even considered the metal, that uh, the tin that's used to fasten the, the wood to the eraser that you have to go and mine wherever this material comes from. You have to put it into a furnace under the right conditions and heat it typically between 1300 to 1400 degrees Celsius for a period of about 15 hours with constant stirring so that you can mine this tin and then mold it into the shape of the, uh, uh, the, the pencil to fasten it. But then in addition, there's also some glue involved. So how do you go about creating that glue and putting the right amount in the right compounds in order to be able to fasten tin to wood? And then we still have to deal with the graphite for the lead or the rubber for the eraser. And again, all the multitude of things that are necessary in order to try to replicate this production of a pencil. The fact that there's no one individual who knows all these steps, that this only happens through millions of individuals Combining their efforts after years of research and development is something that we should be in perpetual awe over every time we pick up a pencil to think about all this blessing that God has packed into this little device that we use to write. In Surah 14 verse 34 it reads, And it gives you all kinds of things that you implore him for. If you count God's blessings, you can never encompass them. Indeed, the human being is transgressing unappreciative. Recently, I stumbled on something, and it reminded me of this video I watched years ago. And it's this guy that wanted to produce a toaster from scratch, meaning that he wanted to source the the raw materials, process them, and try to create the most primitive toaster he could. So he went to the store and picked up the most basic toaster he could find. He disassembled it and saw that there were some 400 components that went into making this toaster. And he said, there's no way that any one person can create all these components. So what he did is he limited himself to the most bare components of a toaster. And he encompassed that as the plastic molding, the wiring, and then also the metal filament that heats up that does the actual toasting. And he wanted to see, could he produce this using raw materials? And after months of talking to experts and traveling to different locations and studying and reading books, to uh, figure out how to go about doing this process and source these materials, he simply gave up. And he had to concede. The fact is that he wasn't possible of creating from uh, raw ore the metal necessary. That it wasn't possible to go and mine copper and then make this into wires. That he was incapable with the resources he had because he wanted to do it all himself, not using any modern technology, to be able to create something as simple as abundant as plastic from fossil fuels. So what he did is he said, well, look, maybe I can get some of these raw components from a uh, landfill, and then from that, break them down and reassemble into a toaster. So he does this, and he creates the most primitive toaster you can imagine. And what's funny is after the first use that he plugs into a wall, the thing bursts into flames. And it goes to show something that we take for granted, this toaster, just this blessing that is encompassed in this simple product that we use on a regular basis. But there's another video that came out a few years ago and keep in mind this individual who created this primitive toaster, they still used a power outlet to power this toaster. What they wanted to see was if a human had to generate the 700 watts necessary to run the most mundane toaster, how much effort would that take? So they went and found an Olympic cyclist And they put them on a stationary bike that was attached to a toaster. So as the cyclist would pedal, the toaster would turn on and in essence toast a single piece of white bread. And this guy, who has like legs the size of tree trunks, was pedaling as fast as he possibly could to generate that 700 watts. And within less than I think a minute, He taps out due to exhaustion. It was just too much effort for him that there was so much uh, acid pumping through his veins that he couldn't pedal anymore and he was completely gassed out and it just barely toasted the single piece of bread. And you think, we plug in this equipment, right? We buy a toaster for 10 bucks. You go to a thrift store. It's probably even cheaper. You plug this thing into a wall and you just press it down and instantly 700 watts of power is generated to toast your bread. Imagine if every single time you wanted a piece of bread, you had to go and find an Olympic cyclist to be able to generate enough energy for you to have this toasted bread. And again, this is something that we take for granted. And obviously this is just a toaster. Consider that something like a car that requires 180 times more power to operate, that we simply get into this thing, we turn the key and automatically we're able to go wherever we want. Without any effort, all you gotta do is put a little weight on the gas pedal and you're off to the races. There's this show that I would love to watch called Alone where they grab participants and they throw them in isolation in the Arctic. And the objective is to see how long they survive before they call in for help and get, you know, uh, airlifted out. And uh, so many individuals, after staying out for a number of days, they reflect about how much they miss the most basic things of life and predominantly that of toast. That they said they would give anything to just be able to have a nice piece of toast, maybe some jam, some butter. And these are things that are readily available to most human beings on this planet. And it's one of these things that again it's become so abundant that we stop to think about just how miraculous this is. That for a dollar you can buy an entire loaf of bread. That for, you know, 10 bucks you can get a toaster. You push this lever down and 700 watts are coming to to toast this thing perfectly for you. That you don't have to huff and puff and uh, cycle a bike in order to generate this energy. That this is all readily given to us by God's leave. You know, the purpose of this world is to determine if we are appreciative of God's blessings or not. Every day we're inundated with infinite number of blessings. And that all is required for us is to just take that moment And remember God and be appreciative. In Surah 14, verse 7, it reads, Your Lord has decreed, The more you thank me, the more I give you. But if you turn unappreciative, my retribution is severe. So God is willing to give us everything, give us all we need. All He's asking in return is for our appreciation. What an awesome exchange. But the aspect is so often we forget, we become habituated. We think that this is commonplace, that we're entitled to these blessings. And it's only when we sense deprivation, when they're taken away from us momentarily, do we truly become appreciative. But let's not let it lead to that. Every day, every morning, from the moment we wake up to when we go to bed, let's always be reflective and appreciative of all the infinite number of blessings that God has given us. In Surah 16, verse 18, it reads, If you count God's blessings you cannot possibly encompass them. God is forgiver, most merciful. That even out of all the numerous blessings that we see, behind those are infinite number of other blessings that we're completely oblivious to. But God willing, let's do our utmost to remember God, to be thankful. And in return, God is not only gonna give us more, He's gonna give us eternal salvation. God willing, we're gonna end there. If you guys got comments or questions, Please come join us on our Discord server. The invite link is below. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS App Store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to the QuranStudyApp.com website. And if you like the podcast, please share it with others. And until next time, peace and God bless.